list, uh, depending on which missile you have, that there are two different masses of the assumption. Um, one of them is the one we celebrate in Amus, and there's another one called Sinu Manu, and when I say that uh, the masses are called this, you take the first uh, Latin words of the uh, introit, that's what's called the incipit, and uh, we refer to the masses by the incipit. So there's Gaudiamus, which is the older mass, and Sigumanu, which is a new mass. It was introduced by Pope Pius XII after he declared the dogma, the solemn declaration of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, which I believe, I'm trying to remember, was 1952, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's 1952, because if you look at some of the, um, when the, when the mass was issued, it was pasted into missiles, and uh, I believe I saw the date of 1952. So, why are we using the older mass? in the monastery. People may be tempted to think that we don't accept the dogma of the assumption. That's not true at all. The, uh, the Holy Father, Pius XII, specifically allowed the Benedictine order to retain the older mass. And that's for a number of reasons. Of course, the first one is that Benedictines are always very concerned with antiquity and preserving antiquity. Years ago, I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, and uh, it was a, an exhibit uh, on um, the art of Byzantium. So there was lots of um, uh, Greek icons, but it also had a part where it showed how the Greek iconography was translated into a Latin context, into a Western Catholic context, and so they were, there was a very beautiful page of, uh, of a medieval gradual with a big, beautiful G with the Dormition of Our Lady in, inside of the, the capital, uh, looking very Byzantine, but also looking somewhat Latin too. So Gaudeamus, and this was from the probably the 10th century, if not a little bit later. So, one of the unintended consequences when you change something, I'm not saying it was bad to change it, uh, the Pope wanted a mass that was more specific about the bodily assumption of Mary. I certainly understand that. But one of the unintended consequences when you change things in the liturgy, even if it's good, is that it disconnects with little touches like that. That you can't, uh, it, it's, it's less... Uh, Parent to the faithful, if they look at something like that, that, oh, this is the mass of the assumption. But the Benedictine order, as I said, was granted the use of the older text. And as I said, one of the reasons is <coughs> concern for antiquity. Another reason is the reference to uh, Mary in the gospel. Now, there were a lot of people who were saying in, in, around this time, or a little bit before, that this is, a, this is a very confusing gospel 
because the church has got the wrong Mary. The church has got the wrong Mary. I've heard this before. And how much better the new gospel is, which is the gospel of the Magnificat, the, uh, the visitation of Our Lady. This is a, an absurd notion that the church has gotten wrong, that somehow over the centuries the church forgot what the, this gospel was about, and that somehow uh, we think that it's the Blessed Virgin Mary who's sitting at the feet of, of Jesus uh, with her sister Martha. This is absurd. The church knows that this is Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. There's no doubt about that. And yet, the church takes this episode and the name of Mary and presents it before us as a kind of a symbol or a type of what it means for Our Lady to have been assumed into heaven. Mary spent her life on earth with her mind always in heaven. She chose the better part. Her mind was always in heaven and never left. Of course, she knew that things were happening on earth, but she always viewed things from the heavenly perspective. Even if she didn't completely understand, she was a human being after all. She didn't understand, for instance, what was going on at first when our Lord's 12-year-old boy turned away from the caravan and went into the temple. Uh, the gospel tells us that Mary was, was bewildered by this, uh, as she was bewildered by the message of the angel at the beginning. She was troubled, but the gospel says she pondered these things in her heart. And so Mary is the prototypical uh, contemplative. And so Benedictines, being contemplative by nature, far prefer this gospel. And so the church has said, of course, this gospel. Hallowed by centuries and centuries and centuries of use. The other thing about changing uh, the Mass is that all of the commentaries of the medieval authors, all of the sermons of, of St. Bernard and St. Elgin and, and uh, some of the others that uh, would have preached on this, they now become obsolete in some way. There's a third reason, I think, why uh, the Benedictine order has preferred the older mass. And that is the collect. And one would be tempted to say, well, the new collect is much better. So I'll read you uh, the new collect and the old collect. The new collect, introduced in 1952, is very explicit about the reality of the bodily assumption of Our Lady. Again, a very good and positive thing, so much so that we uh, here use both of them at different times. Uh, but, forgive me if I can find it here. Oh, 
Almighty and everlasting God, who has taken up the Immaculate Virgin Mary, the mother of thy Son, with body and soul, into heavenly glory. Grant, we beseech thee, that we may always, intent on higher things, deserve to be partakers of her glory. So it's interesting that you call it actually uh, dovetailed very nicely with the old gospel. Uh, always intent on higher things. This is the older poet. Forgive, we beseech thee, O Lord, the sins of thy servants. And may we who are unable to please thee by our deeds be saved by the intercession of the mother of thy son, our Lord. You might say the older colleague doesn't have the same pizzazz, the same kind of specificity, the same kind of imagery. And it would seem that the old colleague is uh, what scholars of the liturgy say is kind of a, a, of a generic colleague. They're just kind of put there because they didn't know what else to do. I don't think that's correct. The reference here is a liturgical expression of the last panel of the uh, stained glass of Our Lady. And I can't see because I don't have my glasses, but I believe it is omnipotentia suplex. Our Lady has the uh, all-powerful intercession. And why does she have the all-powerful intercession? Because she's in heaven. Because she stands, body and soul, in the sight of of God next to her son, in sight of the Father next to her son, the high priest, who is pleading always his sacrifice before the Father, and where Christ is, his mother is also. Christ was, he ascended into heaven in order to be our high priest, in order to intercede for us, and his mother did the same. She was assumed into heaven by her son, so that together they could supplicate the Father on our behalf. And so we are saved by the intercession of Our Lady. This makes many people, so for instance, Protestants, very upset when we say that we are saved by the intercession of the Mother of Christ. But we are saved by the intercession of the Mother of of God. How is this so? This is so because Our Lady, by her fiat, brought salvation into the world. That's why we call her the Porta Celi, the gate of heaven. We entered through the gate of heaven. Just as Christ entered through her womb into the world, so we enter eternity through Our Lady. Porta Shady, the Yanua Shady, the, the, the gate, the door of heaven. In the Byzantine Church, uh, the belief in the salvific prayers of Our Lady are even more apparent. Because uh, whenever, uh, for instance, uh, the deacon, if you've ever seen a, a, an Eastern Rite service, the deacon stands outside with his stole like this. And whenever he mentions the Mother of God, or whenever the priest mentions the Mother of God, the chanters go, Most Holy Theotokos, Most Holy Mother of God, save us. 
save us. Could be clearly Our Lady saves us by her prayers. Now, this is not the same thing as saving us as Christ saves us by his own blood. But it is, a, it is saving nonetheless. If I uh, fell off the side of a ship and uh, uh, there was no, um, what do you call it, the little life, life thing, the little round thing, <laughs> whatever it is to throw out, um, and someone had to call the authorities, I might say, save me. And then the guy might say, I have to call someone to help. Well, in a way, the guy is saving me by calling for help. And that's what we do with Our Lady. But the basis of Our Lady's intercession is that, of course, she bore the, the King of Heaven, the Savior of the world, but she even now saves us by her prayers. It's not as if our Lord said, uh, thank you for your services. Uh, you can go over here now and relax. And no, our Lord has an eternal plan for our lady. She wasn't needed simply to bear the Son of God. She is needed, she has an eternal function. An eternal function on our behalf. And this by the will of God. So this is why she was assumed into heaven, just like our Lord ascended into heaven, to be our advocate, to be our mediator, to be someone who can stand in the sight of God on our behalf, in body and soul. And this is the difference between our Lady's intercession and the intercession of the saints. The saints do not have their bodies until the resurrection, when we all receive our, our bodies in, in the resurrected state. But Our Lady is present in body and soul, just as her son, the fruit of her, her womb, is standing there with his glorious wounds. She's the mother of that body, of that salvific body. And she stands in her body with her son in the sight of the Father, making intercession for us. So the, the, the people always accuse Benedictines of being obsessed with liturgical details. But the details matter, they really do matter, because they bring out the whole richness of, of the, the plan of salvation. And the Holy Ghost who inspired the old Mass inspires the new Mass, and everything works together for the good of, of the people of God to bring out, as our Lord said, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into all truth. And so liturgical texts are not simply filler, or, uh, you know, words, 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 words. They are given by the Holy Spirit for the enrichment of our lives. And they're there for us to contemplate, to contemplate. We may not be able to take it all in during the Mass, but the church says you can take home your missile and you can read it and you can study it and contemplate it. And this is also why the church gives us the octave of certain feasts because it's too much to take in for one day. So we have to have eight full days to take it all in. And so the liturgy.
great school of Christian life and of Christian faith. And the riches are unfathomable because they're the riches of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.